From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hey! <laughs> Hi, listeners. Here we hey, are. Everybody. We are back. Yes. Happy to be back. Yes. We are getting ready to celebrate our birthdays, which um, some of you know. Christopher and I share the exact same birthday. We weren't born the same year, but our birthday is November 7th. November 7th, coming up in a couple days. That's right. And when I first learned that we had the same birthday, I was so excited because it felt like a sign. Because, see, I had a little crush on Christopher. He had no idea, which is the way crushes usually work, I guess. <laughs> uh, we were in college, and we knew each other in this kind of faith-sharing sort of group, Christian group. And I it was just had a gathering where the funny thing was that you had brought a friend who that's shared right. our birthday that's right. to this group and you were introducing this friend to other people and just to mention like a connection you said we have the same birthday and at that time i didn't know what your birthday that's right. was i remember this and you said you said it's november 7th and i just remember thinking oh, that's my birthday <laughs> And a really cool thing about that for me was that it gave me absolutely an excuse to re- remember your birthday without it giving away the fact that I had a crush on you mm-hmm. because it was my birthday too. You know, so I could just tell you. It's my birthday too, yeah. That's right. You say it's a birthday. So I could wish you a happy birthday and have a little conversation with you about your birthday without Hopefully, without it seeming too strange. Maybe you were totally on to me. I don't know. No, I was not on. You knew I was not on to you. <laughs> I don't know if you suspected me at I those moments. I did not suspect at all. So, anyway, we've always shared a birthday. Well, my whole life, you had your first three years or two years without sharing it with me. Three. On the third one, it was my birthday. On the third one, it was your birthday. Yeah. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay, you're right. So the first. <laughs> well, if you include the day of my birth as my first birthday. Oh, okay. There are three for you. Yeah. Ah, very good math. Good job. Day of my birth was my first birthday, but I was not, it wasn't my one-year-old birthday. So, we have this same birthday, and honestly, it has produced some challenges for us, or did early in our marriage, like, to figure out, well, how do we celebrate? As we've aged and kind of, you know, been in that mode for a while, I don't think it troubles us And if one of us has a biggie... Yeah. Coming up, then we know we'll celebrate That's going to be biggie. our focus. And let's do the math here. 1969. Oh, who has a biggie this year? To 2019. I think it's you. I think I have a biggie. You turn it. Half century. 50 years old. I remember my dad's 50th birthday like it was yesterday. That's what's kind of scary to me. <laughs> yeah. Which means I'm as old as my dad, which makes no sense because uh. he continued to get older. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my brain does weird things with numbers. I'm kind of, you know, you you, th- you spend your first few years of life thinking in months, and then you start thinking in years, and then school kind of makes you think, in, at least I did, I thought in four-year chunks for a while, because you have high school, and then you have college. I think it was when I hit 30 that I started thinking in decades, uh-huh. and that's definitely how I've been thinking for the last 20 years. I've been thinking in decades. Right. So... Yes, I'm about to enter my sixth decade. How about that? Yeah, awesome. Pretty cool. I love it. I'm very excited. Happy birthday, Wendy. Happy birthday to you, my love. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I like it now that we have the same birthday. I know. I, I do, too. You always did. I didn't always like it. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. 
<laughs> All right. What do we have coming our yes. way this week? Here's for a our question. Podcast? Here's a question from across the globe, which is kind of amazing. Mm. An anonymous husband says, "Well, what, what part of the globe?" Ah, I was going to say it in the okay, question. Okay. Okay. Dear Christopher, my brother in Christ Jesus, he says. Hello, I, dear brother in Christ Jesus. I'm a Catholic from, ooh, I might pronounce it wrong, Hyderabad, India. From India. I'm so glad you said India, because if you were going to tell me Hyderabad was a country, I was going to, no. I was, oh my goodness, I have it's no a, idea where that a, is. a city. Okay. Okay. So, our brother in Christ from India says, he and his wife, so he says, we received very liberal, in fact, doctrinally wrong teachings on birth control, family planning, our sexual lives, by our church here. And we've made such horrible mistakes. Both my beloved wife and I are ashamed of ourselves. I'm profoundly troubled how to ensure we continue living without sinning with our bodies, mm. and also not to offend our Lord, because it keeps biting my conscience. I don't know how to and what I need to do to tame my body and keep it purified as the temple of the Holy Spirit. I feel as if I can beg for mercy from the Lord all my life, but I will always carry this burden of guilt and sin. Mm. Bless you, dear brother from India. Yes. I want to comment first on this last line that you feel like you will always carry this burden of guilt. My dear brother, please, please take, take the faith at face value. Take these words of Scripture at face value. If you have confessed your sin, if you have sincerely repented, if you've been absolved when the priest puts his hands on you and says, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then you can take these words to heart straight out of Scripture. As far as the East is from the West, so is your sin from you. My dear brother, I, I know I've been in that place, believe me, where it's sometimes the hardest of all to forgive ourselves. But my sense, just from the tone of what you're writing here, my sense is that you're having a hard time forgiving yourself, that you're you're kind of beating yourself up. And I know I wrote about this in one of my books. I think it was um, Love is Patient, But I'm Not, which is really a, a book of confessions where I, I pretty much make myself naked and share my broken humanity and how I needed to open it to God's mercy and continue to need to open it to God's mercy. And in one of the reflections in that book, I share a story of how, how difficult it is to forgive myself, how difficult it has been. And I had this realization once that, I don't know if this is true for you, dear brother from India, but I, I know for me, one of the reasons I have found it difficult to forgive myself is because I had to let go of control. There was some funky control factor going on in my withholding forgiveness from myself. It's like, I, I'm in this black place because I'm, I'm not forgiving myself and I'm, I feel like I'm in darkness, but at least it's my darkness and I'm in control of it and I'm on top of it and I'm calling the shots as to whether I'm guilty or not. I'm calling the shots as to whether I, I'm worthy of forgiveness or not here. I'm calling the shots as to whether I'm worthy of God's mercy. Well, <laughs> 
I don't get to call those shots. And I, it was, it was like this clinging to a, hmm. I want to be my own God. If God forgives me and I don't, then I want to be, in some sense, I want to be my own God. Mm. Brother, there is freedom on the other side of forgiving yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I want to say and I want to invite you to. I'm inviting you to press into whatever in your heart is blocking you from forgiving yourself. Trust in God's mercy. Trust in the freedom for which Christ has set you free. I want to comment also on something you said about taming your body. We have to be careful here. There is a a sense in which that is correct, but my hunch would be kind of based on some of the other things you said that you may not have the correct understanding of taming your body. We can have this idea that, and I'm thinking of a kind of comical presentation of this idea in a movie called Heaven Help Us, uh, in which Wallace Shawn, he's the uh, guy who plays the inconceivable character from uh, Princess Bride. In this movie, he plays a Catholic priest, and he gets up before this dance in the 1960s Catholic school, and he says, there is a beast living inside each and every one of you, a filthy beast whose name is lust. And he goes on and on about how this beast wants to to send you to hell, and and uh, it's it's pretty horrific. Uh, if this is all we get from the from growing up in Catholic schools, um, my goodness, if that's all we got, I hope not. That would be rather inconceivable. Um, but <laughs> none, nonetheless, it's a caricature. But nonetheless, I, I do think it, it gets to a point, which is a lot of people, at least in a certain era of Catholic education, they had this idea that there's just this beast inside that needs to be uh, whipped and put in a cage and locked up. Mm. If that's what you mean by taming your body, may I offer a different perspective? That to tame the wildness of sexual desire does not mean to crush it, repress it, ignore it, try to uh, eradicate it. Mm-hmm. Rather to tame, think of a, an animal that, that becomes tame. Think of taming a horse. Hopefully, you're not breaking him. You're not removing that, that, that beauty of the horse. You're not removing even the wildness of the horse, but you're coming to respect the power and strength of the horse, and you're learning to direct that strength and power towards something good. This, in fact, is the very idea of chastity as it's inscribed in the church's art in St. Peter's Basilica. We will try to get a picture in the show notes here of the virtue of chastity, which is a a sculpture I'm I'm speaking of. We'll put in the show notes a picture of it. The sculpture in St. Peter's Basilica of all the virtues up in the nave of the church, uh, you'll see also the virtue of chastity. And it's a woman who is bare-breasted. One of her breasts is exposed. The other one is kind of veiled, but you can still see the shape of her breast very clearly. And she's holding a rose in one hand, and she's holding the horn of a unicorn in the other. And she's drawing the rose and the unicorn together. Now, the the image here, I write about this in my book. Uh, Where do I write about this? Fill These Hearts. I, I have a whole chapter unfolding the imagery here of this 
maiden bringing together the rose and the unicorn. One is a feminine symbol. The other is a masculine symbol. And the, the bare-breasted woman evokes how the church depicts the virtue of charity, Christian love. The way the church in her sacred art depicts Christian love is by a nursing mother. This is so beautiful to meditate on, the baby at the breast. This is how the church in her sacred art portrays the virtue of charity. So what the church is saying with putting this bare-breasted woman right at the center of the sculpture on chastity, it's saying that Christian love is at the center of chastity. And Christian love is not a weak, whimpering thing. Christian love is, is a fire. Christ came to set the world on fire. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He says, chastity is a flaming thing hmm. like Joan of Arc set ablaze. <laughs> Woo, what an image for us, right? So charity, Christian love, that flaming love is right at the center. And Christian charity can tame the wildness of the unicorn in the right way, where the wildness is not bred out of the animal, the wildness is not crushed, but that wildness is directed towards the true, the good, and the beautiful. My brother, my dear brother from India, do not crush yourself. Do not crush your sexual desires. Do not seek to annihilate them. Rather, seek to open them to the transforming power of divine love so that your erotic desires become impregnated with agape. This is, this is the language of the church. I urge you to read Pope Benedict XVI's encyclical, God is Love, where he shows us how to wed eros and agape. This is what you're after, my brother, not the crushing of your desires, but the redemption of your desires. I think you will find what you're looking for as you pursue that path. Mm. Any thoughts, Wendy? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. What did you love? I want to hear you. I like how excited you got about the flaming thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Supposed to flame. Okay. Supposed to be passionate. Phew. Why do we always connect in our poetry and our love songs? We're always connecting love with fire. What, what's the intuition there? Ooh. There's something rich there, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can think of a million examples, but right now I'm thinking of Elvis Presley. I'm a hunk of, hunk of burning love or... <laughs> Uh, when we kiss, ooh, fire, do, 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 do. What is all that stuff? Well, the Song of Songs says it. Love is a vehement fire. Love is a vehement fire. Love is a vehement flame that even rivers cannot quench. Mm. Christ came to set the world on fire. My dear Indian brother and every listener out there, do not be afraid to be set Ablaze. Mm -hmm. May I share another sure, question? Sure, let's go. Okay. Let's do it. This is from an anonymous woman who I'm going to just summarize her question and preface by she shared that she experiences same-sex attraction and she's in her 20s. Bless you, my dear sister. Mm -hmm. Her question is, what level of intimacy can even exist for such a one as I? And what is the gift I can give to the one I'm drawn to unite with? I think she's trying to get at what is possible in a same-sex relationship that's in keeping with 
God's truth about mm-hmm. sexuality, mm-hmm. what type of relationship is possible? This is a really important question, and I want to invite you to look into an organization called Eden Invitation. Uh, the founders of this organization are two women, and they're trying to to minister to those in the church with same-sex attraction, and I think they're doing a, a wonderful job. They're, it's a newer ministry, and like any ministry, there are going to be some bumps along the way as they, they learn the work, right way to carry out their, their work and the right language with which to carry it out. Uh, they've been students of mine, both of these women. I have a great admiration for them. Uh, we'll put their, their link to their website in the show notes. I'd also refer you to an organization called Desert Stream, run by a dear friend and brother of mine, Andrew Kamiski, and they have a program called Living Waters, which I'd highly, highly recommend you looking into for some in-depth, more thorough responses to, to this question. You could go to either one of those organizations to learn more. But let me, let me just put a little bit of food for thought here. Uh, I love that this anonymous questioner is recognizing that there is a legitimate place for intimacy with the same sex. Now, please hear me correctly. We, we've, we've conflated this word intimacy with sexual intimacy, and that is not what I'm talking about here at all. I'm talking about genuine heart-to-heart sharing of hearts at a genuine human level. Into me see is, is how I like to think of intimacy, as I once heard it said, into me see. And same-sex attraction in the erotic sense of that, it's, it's a complex issue. I don't ever want to just boil it down and say, this is what it is. Much more needs to be said about it than I could ever say right here. But something good has gotten twisted here. Something good has gone awry. I am absolutely wired for and created for intimate, deep bonds with other men in my life. And if I don't have intimate, deep bonds with other men, there's, there's a hole there that I, I will want to fill. And that, that hole can be so deep sometimes, the craving can become so powerful that it gets intertwined in a way with our erotic desires. And again, I don't want to oversimplify the situation, but oftentimes that, that's part of what's going on. So the way we heal, the way we grow, the way we begin the journey of untwisting what's been twisted up is by finding the legitimate desires underneath the disordered desires and affording those legitimate desires proper satisfaction in genuine human intimacies. What does that look like? Maybe I could say a little bit about what it would not look like. Even if we're not engaging in overt sexual behaviors with someone of the same sex, there can also be a kind of emotional attachment that can be unhealthy, a a clinging, a trying to suck life out of another person for my own uh, neediness that would not be appropriate. And I've learned a great deal here from Andrew Comiskey and his work in Desert Streams, which is why I, I recommended that. Uh, I think he has some really important insights here about what healthy relating for people with same-sex attraction looks like for people with the same sex. But it, it, 
I do want to say, please, even if there are falls along the way, to follow Christ's invitation to get out of the boat and walk on water, right? Sometimes we can think, oh, but I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. I'm going to mess it up. I, I don't even want to venture into mm-hmm. a relationship with someone of the own sex in my condition because I could screw it up and I don't want to screw it up. So I'll just stay in the safety of the boat. The Christian life is not in the safety of the boat in this sense. It's, it's heeding that voice of Christ who's saying, come to me. It is I. Step out in faith. And if you keep your eyes on me, you can walk on water. It is better to get out of the boat and sink than never to get out of the boat. That's one of the morals of the story of Peter walking on the water, right? He got out and he sank. Jesus didn't condemn him. He said, he said, why did you take your eyes off me? Why, why did you falter in your, your faith? But he didn't condemn him. He called him back to faith. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Wendy? Yeah, I think that's very beautiful. I love that this person has asked, what is the gift of self that uh, I yeah. can give? And I think that's a beautiful acknowledgement of that we are a gift, as we often conclude our podcast saying. And that recognizing that the gift of self is different in different relationships. This is not directly related to the circumstance you're talking about, but but it is related to reflecting on gift of self, and I'll just share it, that I was reflecting on this uh, gift of self when I was very attracted to you, and you were interested in someone else, Mm -hmm. and I realized that. You weren't interested in me in a romantic way. And I remember thinking, uh, and it was partly from things you shared with me, which is kind of cool, about love being a call to give ourselves and to lay down our lives for another. And asking myself, well, here I am kind of caught up in this desire for you, Christopher, to be attracted to me, to to want what I want for our relationship, which is for us to fall in love and get married. And that wasn't happening. But guess what? Okay, it did. But it that's, did happen. that's a separate point. <laughs> Let's not. I just wanted to remind you that. I know, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but at that time, it wasn't yes, happening. It wasn't happening at that time. And I do remember that time. And it wasn't yes, happening for a long time. It didn't happen. And I I found myself asking, okay. He's not giving me what I'm longing for from him. But what is the truth of our relationship as it is? And the truth truth of our relationship was that it was a friendship, not a super close friendship, but a, it was there. And that in that stage of our friendship, how could I authentically give myself to you or for you? And what flowed from that asking the Lord, you know, how can I genuinely love in our current situation? What flowed from that was praying for you and, you know, trying to be a a reflection of whatever gifts I bring to a friendship in an authentic way in the times that we interacted. But the prayer became very much a prayer for God's will for your life, God's will in your relationships even those that you were closer to than you were with me. And so it was a very freeing thing to desire your Mm. good, to desire God's will in your life apart from my personal hopes. And I, I just share that with all of our listeners, that sense that we're called to be a gift gets applied in different ways in different situations. But it's so important to 
to honor and respect the reality of our relationships and not, as you were talking about, how we can look to suck something out of a relationship that isn't appropriate to that. Yes. Um, and to to respect it and to trust those desires to the Lord and allow Him to inspire us in giving our unique gift in all our relationships. Um, I just think that that's a helpful thing to reflect on and to pray about. Wendy, I remain all these years later, you know, where are we? Probably 26 years later mm. from that time in our friendship when you were hoping we could have some kind of romantic relationship and and you learned, you asked the Lord, how can I really love this young man? And mm-hmm. and you learned how to pray for me and for my good. I All these years later, I am so grateful to you for your willingness. You were 21 years old, maybe 22 mm-hmm. years old, and and you took that upon yourself to learn really and truly how to pray for me. What a tremendous, you were becoming a gift to me, really and truly. Guess what? Even as your wife, I still need to do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you still do, do that for right. me That's in right. a whole new way. <laughs> for sure. Uh, little did you know what you were getting yourself into when you started <laughs> praying for my good. <laughs> But that is, that's a beautiful suggestion. That How can we be a gift to someone else? Always we can be a gift to someone else by learning to pray for that other person's true good, even if it costs us. Right. And that's something I learned from you. You, you paid a high price uh, to yourself in learning how to pray for my good. Mm-hmm. And you were learning how to put aside some of your own desires for my good in a sacrificial way. And but it, it reaped benefits. It brought freedom yes. to me in a way that, that was grace, that was gift from the Lord. Yeah. I think that's a great suggestion. We can learn to pray for the good of the other, and in that way, we really and truly are becoming a gift. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to start. Thanks, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Another question we have from a listener named Julia. She says, I'm struggling very much with being able to come to terms with my boyfriend not being ready for engagement and marriage quite yet. I feel like I've been ready to enter into this vocation, and he and I both want to be together, but for him, just not yet. How do I come to terms with this? Is it a sign God does not want us to be together because we're not ready at the same time? (laughs) You're humming. (laughs) Well, there's, there's a lot in this question that our previous answer can be applied to. And that's true. Um, about learning to pray for the good of the other, learning mm-hmm. to sacrifice yourself for the good of the other. Mm-hmm. Now, it could also be applied to the the man in this situation. Maybe it sounds like from what you said, Julia, that you, he does want to marry you at some point, but not yet, as you said. Well, uh, I'm, I would imagine it would seem strange to me if you haven't had really honest conversations about why he's saying not yet. If those reasons are legitimate, if those reasons are sound, then I think they can and should be honored. If they are kind of superfluous reasons, if you're getting the feeling like he's just afraid of commitment or... Maybe he's he's keeping his options open and and he's not really committed to you. So there there's a lot to give you more specific counsel, Julia. I think I would need some more specifics in the relationship. But in a broad sense, I would invite you, just as Wendy was suggesting 
in the earlier response to that earlier question that you you can learn to pray for the true good of this man. If you are meant to marry this man, I assure you this will not be the last time that you and he are seeing things differently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good thought. It's true. It's just a true thought. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean anything (laughs) strange by it. (laughs) Just a realistic observation that uh, husbands and wives often see things differently. And seeing things differently, yes, it can be a source of conflict, can be a source of pain, can be a source of tension, can also be a source of profound enrichment. Again, I don't know the specifics of this situation, Julia, but perhaps it's possible. There's some wisdom in what he's saying. There could be. And, you know, I'm thinking of something we shared on one of our earliest podcasts, or I shared, because it comes up for me. You mentioned this about not seeing things the same way. Uh And how I was really helped by reading about different temperaments yes. and personality types. Yes. And, you know, uh, it's not like I know for sure that this would be helpful, but it could be helpful. Mm-hmm, sure. There's, a, there's a, a book I've enjoyed, not that I absolutely agree with everything, every point, but it's still been helpful to me called Personality Plus for Couples mm-hmm. by Florence mm-hmm. Litauer. And she is a Protestant woman who has a kind of a cute sense of humor and uses fun stories to illustrate. Did we read that together, didn't we? Or or I, we both had a copies of it, didn't we? I'm not going to answer for you. Did you ever do your reading assignment or not? <laughs> I did. I did you read did? that. Did you read it? Yeah, it's a little bit, in, you know, in the mix of the 3,000 other books I've read in the last so 10 true. years. But. You do a lot of reading. Um, yeah, it just just a thought that coming to understand your personality and his personality more deeply could greatly benefit if you are called to marriage, could be of a great help in just understanding your different approach to what may seem like obstacles to him and maybe not to you. It's just a helpful part of relating with one another and facing this particular decision of timing in your relationship and many others. So, I share that. I'd encourage you, Julia, to Expose your own desires to the Lord in prayer. What What is the urgency in your heart that wants to get married quickly? It may be entirely le- a legitimate desire to get married sooner. He might need to uh, give up some of what he's feeling in order to meet you where you are. You might need to give up some of what you're feeling to meet him where he is. And my guess is, it's probably a little of both. Mm-hmm. It usually is. That's, that's my sense of it. Mm-hmm. But... I, I, again, I just urge you to open that desire to the Lord who knows you, who loves you, and can meet you there. We, we kind of tend to think, I think sometimes of prayer as, oh, just that solution. He's going to ask me to pray, but well, that's not going to do anything for me. <laughs> no, I, this prayer is not the, I mean, prayer takes us into the realm of encountering that which is beyond what we sense with our five senses physically. But it's not only real, it's more real than the physical realities of our lives. And the whole principle of theology of the body is that the physical leads to the spiritual. You're feeling very viscerally this desire to get married sooner than this man in your life is, is feeling. That can become a profound opening to an encounter with the Lord in your prayer life. It's real. These encounters are real. And I urge you to pursue that. Mm-hmm. 
think that's all I have to say about that okay. for now. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for the questions you have submitted. It's always a joy to be with my wife answering these questions. Wendy, I always learn a lot just listening to you. Oh, me too. I get the benefit of actually sitting here and seeing your eyes and your facial expression as right. you're answering these questions, with, which add more to the whole experience, which brings something to my mind, which oh. I'm going to hold out to our listeners. I've toyed with the idea. I know lots of people who do their podcasts also film their podcasts mm -hmm. and post that on YouTube. If you guys would like us to do that, if that's interesting to you, if you would like to see vi the video of these, we haven't filmed them yet, but if in the future you would like us to, to film these, would you send us a note? Just go on to AskChristopherWest.com and let us know if that is of interest to you. Because if it is of interest to enough people, maybe we would consider filming these podcasts, although we'd have to, we'd actually have to be presentable for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Actually, that's true. I'm saying we just show up in my office and stick up the mics and we don't worry that's about, right. you know, how we look. or So true. Maybe that would be part of our podcast, too. We just come as we are and people see the normal day-to-day -day Wendy and Christopher West. Maybe that's, that's something okay. we have to offer, too. Okay. We'll think about right. that. Well, God bless you guys. Let us know what your questions are. Keep the questions coming. We value them. And we are so excited to be doing this podcast for you guys. Again, if you're interested in supporting the work of the Theology of the Body Institute, we'd be so grateful. Click that patron button there to learn more. And I'd love to continue the conversation with you in the forums that are reserved just for our patrons. Mm -hmm. Until next time, you guys are a gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Christopher and Wendy hope the information presented is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, you can find a list of trusted counselors and psychologists in the show notes. We both had a copies of it, didn't we? I'm not going to answer for you. Did you ever do your reading assignment or not? Mm -hmm.